Welcome, welcome to Freaked Out with your host today, Liz, just me. Landon is out of the country at the moment and won't be back for a couple of weeks, so I am currently going to entertain you guys myself. (laughs) Uh, So I will try to keep this upbeat and entertaining at the same time. Now, we did take a week off to do the live episode last week on the exclusive side of the podcast, and this week we're back to our normal episode for today. I'm also very glad to say that we are doing well when it comes to our journey of doing our own hauntings. We are going to be starting to travel here soon, so keep watching to get some more of those details. Haunted places are key. And I know we will be hopefully staying at a haunted hotel in Buffalo, New York as well. So that is also something we're hoping for. Unfortunately, right now in Ontario anyways, Ontario, Canada, we are struggling to get our passports. There are severe wait lines. There are severe waits on the passports coming in. So currently waiting on that. Recently, I had a few of my podcast watchers mention that there was a gang of people that were kind of related to some sort of white supremacy group trying to hurt people part of the the LBGTQ community, and they were stopped, thank God. Now, this community is mine, and I've been part of this group, and they welcomed me. And my husband, my daughter, and a lot of my friends are also part of this community. Now, when I was younger, we didn't really have a place, a safe place to go, and I'm glad a lot of that has evolved over time. I remember when I came out. Not that my parents rejected me, but my girlfriend's parents rejected her and pretending it wasn't a thing. And I think she hoped that her daughter would grow out of it. We were afraid to kiss or hold hands. Hell, we didn't even know if we would be able to get married. (laughs) Canada, however, was a country that made it possible. Even though there are still a lot of people in the world against the LBGTQ community, it's not okay. If you are listening to this podcast and don't understand trans or gay or any other different life or lifestyle, you don't need to. But don't you dare take away from someone else. I see bad things happening in the future to so many gay, trans, lesbian, queer people who will get hurt and killed for no other reason than their gender identity or their sexual preference. Honestly, do people really genuinely think this is what God would want? Death for those who are not inside the little box? Ignorance can be inside of all of us for a lot of things in the world. I've heard even the accepting people in the world say, we get it, you're gay. You don't need to flaunt it or have a pride week or month, so just chill. No, there's not enough acceptance in the world. I don't care if you're 102 or 21 years old. You can adjust your mindset. You can adjust your brain to acceptance. You can save that boy from killing himself for his mother misgendering him every single time she speaks to him. You can save the little girl who's trans and is afraid to ride the bus because she may have a bit of a masculine look to her. I am so sick of hearing excuses. So let's educate ourselves and get comfortable with the way the world is going. Because guys, this is only the beginning. Now with that being said, I would like to give a shout out to our top patrons of the week. Gemma Wind. Polly Shore House. I'm assuming somebody is a big Jersey Shore fan. Samantha Hugh, Miss Mindy. Thanks guys for listening. Next week on the exclusive side, we will be covering the episode of Left Eye. Left Eye was part of the group 
TLC. We have chosen our first official winner. Now that was Josh, and Josh is the reason that we are doing this Left Eye episode, so woohoo for Josh! Anyone who wants to be able to listen to the exclusive side needs to become a member on the patron side of the podcast. There will be a video uploaded on how to become a VIP member. So if you haven't already joined our Facebook group, I recommend to do so now. This is where I'm going to be able to see a bulk of the cases, the photos, the pictures, and it's basically an easier way for my admins to keep an eye out on it too. More hands in the pot, and we're doing a special episode giveaway. So if we get up to 2,000 members in the Facebook group by June 29th, we will be not only airing one, but two episodes on the regular side of the podcast. So you won't want to miss it. And if you do find it... And if you want to find out more details about what episodes are to come, and there's also a few sneak previews there too, so I would definitely recommend Freaked Out Facebook group. Now, on to the case of Donita. Just over two years ago, on June 21st, 2020, you know what gives me chills? When I do an episode and I notice the similarities and dates, we're slowly approaching June 21st. Donita, a mother of six, was captured on surveillance at the Evansville Indiana Motel on the east side of the city. It was 8.16 a.m. when cameras spotted Donita getting into a silver Chevrolet Suburban with a sunroof and tinted windows. This was the last time she was ever seen. According to Donita's family, she was concerned for her safety and apparently had the names of these two men. One of the men was somebody she dated off and on for years and had been sending her threatening messages. He also had been identified by the police and he is not currently a suspect in her disappearance. The other was a family member. Donita was last seen by family when she walked out of her brother's house where she had been staying in Evansville, Indiana on June 20th, 2020. She spoke to a friend on the phone the following morning telling them that she was with the two men and that she was afraid of them. Donita was reported missing the next day and nothing further was heard from her. It was out of character for Donita, who was the mother of two 15-month-old twin babies and five other children between the ages of 15 and 22. And also, she used to call her mom every morning, so it was very strange. Norma Martin... Donita's aunt told reporters that the man Donita feared had been saying things like, I'm going to get you and they'll never find your body. Yet another friend who chose to remain anonymous for personal safety reasons shared screenshots of the messages from this said man. In these messages, he called Donita derogatory names and threatened the safety of both her and her children. Another family member said Donita's on-again, off-again boyfriend had not only made threats, but had previously been violent towards her on more than one occasion and even been jailed for domestic violence against her directly. I feel like there's even more violent acts towards her, and she had never shared this with her family, by the way. I feel like she was also raped by him. I feel like she was trying really hard to keep her family in the dark as much as she could because she was afraid of their safety, honestly. According to the court records, 
They confirmed that the first man in question was arrested four times between 2018 and 2019 for domestic violence and battery against her. In the one in 2018, he was found guilty for striking Donita hard enough to knock her to the ground after she declined to retrieve money from her bank account for him. Now, you don't really need to be a psychic to figure out this one, but... I mean, to me, it's a pretty cut and dry case, and maybe if more efforts had been put into this case, evidence would have been already found by now. In one case that was like later dismissed, Donita accused him of throwing her on the bed, spitting on her, choking her. In another, she was basically struck by him in the head and face with a closed fist and hit her in the back of the head with a lamp. In a statement to the police, Given while being treated at St. Vincent's Hospital for injuries sustained due to one domestic violence episode, she had said she had been assaulted for hours at her boyfriend's home. She said that he had threatened her with a knife and hit her in the head with a perfume bottle. She suffered injuries to the face, left shoulder, arm during this attack. She says that he wouldn't allow her to leave and told her that if she tried, he would send people to kill her children. And from what I gather, she was a really great mom. So, of course, she's going to be scared for her kids' lives. The protective order she filed against him was dismissed because she failed to show up for a scheduled hearing. In three of the cases filed against him, the court issued a no-contact order. It was only after Donita's disappearance that her family learned that the man had a long history of violence spanning decades and had landed him in courtrooms and had four convictions of domestic violence and battery, two of them being in Illinois and others in other locations. These case files against him were from four different women, but I'll tell you something, there's probably about 18 women. Now let's just say this kind of thing keeps happening again and again still confused on how this man and his counterpart isn't locked up is beyond me what drives me mad is that we know who was involved in this but the police aren't doing enough of a good job to get justice in the days before she went missing donina had changed her phone number to escape the consistent harassment that he had somehow found her number yet again obviously there were a few people within the family that were given these details to him but they really didn't know this was going to happen. She had even told friends and family in the days before she disappeared that if anything were to happen to her, it was this unnamed man and member of his family who did it. She even went as far to call a family member and ask if they knew anyone with a gun she might use as protection against him. I know why this family didn't share this information with the police to a degree, <clears throat> but I know personally if this was one of my personal close friends or family member, she was asking me these questions, I'd be trying to get some answers and maybe get a team together to find out how the hell to help her out in this situation. I would be taking it seriously. That's, I understand where the family's coming, but oh my goodness, it's, it's a lot to take on here. Guys, if you ever have a situation where somebody is genuinely crying for help, even if it's crying wolf, my goodness, please look into it because we got to try to avoid these situations as much as we possibly can. Not that they could have done anything, but maybe they could have at least caught them in the act. They indicated that he was not cooperating with the investigation, by the way, after they had reached out to this unnamed man, which, by the way, I was looking and looking and looking online everywhere I possibly could to get this guy's name, and it's 
absolutely impossible, which I'm still not sure why the heck they have yet to release his name. I know my visions say one thing, but I'm still thinking it's not enough, so we'll look into that. Donita's family later said that the man she had feared is the owner of the vehicle in question on that footage as well. Shocking. It's his car, and he isn't helping figure out what happened to her. I wish this was not so common, but as I comb through these accounts of women who have disappeared, it's the same old story over and over. All the signs that were there and not enough done to protect Donita from this violent man. Now she is missing, and who knows when and if she'll ever be found, or if this person is surely responsible for her death. There have been a few updates from the police, but barely anything. So it's hard to say whether this case has grown cold, or just simply holding out on waiting to see what happens. Now, from what I see, she is no longer with us. And it hurts because she was such a strong woman and being so super careful about every interaction with this guy. But she knew that the system was broken and that he knew he could manipulate the shit out of her, especially when he used the kids and extended family as pawns in his little game. She was genuinely a rock in a hard place. She shows me she had gotten a phone call from him directly, but it looks like it had been a different number. Maybe a friend's number or a phone that isn't prepaid and can't really be traced. I see that she knew it was him and she didn't pick up initially. She said that she had to prepare herself and knew something bad was coming her way, which is why she gave her family these vague messages so they were aware of what was going on and to try to pinpoint it on him. They were going to need to get some details to the police and fast. Which they did, and honestly got nowhere, so it's bloody crap. She shows me that he was nice on the phone, but had made a statement about having a new gun and wanting to give it a try on someone, and I feel like he made a statement about how she hurt him, so he wanted to hurt her. Yeah, okay, it's completely the same. She even shows me that she could see the gun, so I'm going to assume that this is like a video call, she said that he had the gun to his head and was like playing with it and the other guy was there with him and i feel like it's more of a family friend than an actual family member now her ex-boyfriend is the head of this little group i feel like he had some power somewhere i'm unsure of what exactly i think there's something legally bound like he's a small fish they want to fry in his death but it's not a big enough case so perhaps the dude is a mole or something scummy. But I believe he has a bit of an untouchable situation at this point anyway. And this is why there's been no movement with this case. Now with that being said, I feel like they have mountains of evidence against him. And I feel like they can charge him but refuse to do so because it will interfere with another investigation. He's apparently the one to get access to somebody they've been wanting to get to. And I feel like the smaller cops, so perhaps maybe the local ones, want to pressure it, but it looks like the FBI or the CIA or whomever is taking care of it is not caring about the Donita case in any way at the moment. They know she's dead and they know that he did it. And I feel a hair was even found somewhere and it shouldn't have been. That belongs to her and I feel like the cops can't give anyone answers. I see that she went with them and she knew she was going to die. She shows me that she got into the truck because 
He needed her to run an errand for him, and it was a dangerous one, and I feel like she may have gotten herself arrested very easily, as he made her do this. She shows me she walked inside of a warehouse. She had Coke, I believe, um, packages, maybe inside of her sweater or something. Perhaps it's like something where she's providing back the product that they didn't sell and also giving money. I feel like since he could get in trouble with the supplier, he decided to send her in just in case she gets herself killed. He didn't want to have any issues with the supplier himself. And I feel like she was present in some issues in the past, so they already knew who she was. And um, basically, they were trying to make it seem like they were still currently together, too. He thought it would be a perfect payback and didn't really care one way or another about her life, sadly. It looks like they managed to get themselves away from that situation. Now, he had told her she was lucky to live, and he wasn't happy about that. He was hoping, at the very least, the supplier would kick the shit out of her. He wanted to see blood running down her nose, and he said that he was mad that he couldn't. I see that then he punched her in the nose, and he instantly broke it, she said. She shows me he wasn't driving. And he was the one talking to her. He had her hands tied. She shows me that he was in the front passenger side of the car, giving her some sort of monologue about some nonsense. She said she didn't listen to him much. She shows me that they drove for about an hour and about a half an hour off-road. So an hour and a half total. And he told her that he just wanted to talk to her and have some romantic alone time. But, you know, according to that punch earlier, she didn't really believe him. She knew he was lying. She knew that he was taking her to her doom, but she felt like she had no choice. She said she kept on telling him that she loved her family and God will protect her. He mocked her and told her she was a useless mother and she didn't deserve anything. <sighs> he took her to the water and told her to get in. She said no, and he kicked her in the back of the knee and she went down and he pulled her hair. He then loaded the gun and made her get in the water anyway. I feel like she fell into it and he pulled the trigger twice to the back of her head and she died. She shows me that she was on her knees and her head was trying to look up at the sky. She said that she died quick and she was grateful for that part. She shows me that she hoped all the evidence would be there. She hoped her body would be recovered, but it hasn't and it will still take some time. She's telling me that yes, her body one day will be found. And it will take some time, but it will all happen. And it will get pinned to the X. And he will serve time in jail. From what she shows me, it looks like it'll be a life sentence, perhaps maybe reduced to 15 years. I think that the connection to his reduction is going to be the assistance in a bigger case. He's a snitch, though, and that will also get him in trouble at some point. How tragic for him, from what Donita says. He will get killed on the inside. It may take about six years to happen from the time he gets in there, but she says, believe it or not, it'll happen. She shows me it's going to take more time than just a day, but it will come out. All right, well, that's about that time when we basically start to wrap up the case and discussing a few things. I feel like the world is going loopy at the moment, and I want to mention some predictions, but in a good way, at least sort of, kind of. <laughs> So I keep seeing some great things coming for Flint, Michigan. I see water being on the horizon very soon, and I feel like this is gonna bring so many housing opportunities back. 
And I feel like there will be some major construction projects in that area of Michigan as well. That will be something that is probably worked on over the next five years, but there will be improvements within a year's time. I even see that Britney Spears would get pregnant again here soon and the baby will be a girl. I also feel like there's going to be something weird that happens with the Kardashian family. Something big is going to be dropped and that may like destroy one of their lives a bit. I know it's not good news, but I feel like some things happen to humble people, so hopefully they do. I feel like some action will be taken on these gun-related issues in schools and school shootings. I feel like there are big changes that will be coming to the U.S. surrounding gun laws in the next few years because, sadly, things aren't going to get better by putting a band-aid on it. I feel like people are not going to like the restrictions coming forward and people will rebel and try and overthrow the government and government officials. But in the long run, it will end up working out for the better. There will be more control on chaos in the U.S. to make it a safer place for our kids to at least go to school. I keep seeing that if these individuals who are trying to fight don't get loud enough, it can always get worse. Worse is bad. Worse is having our kids locked in their homes and never seeing the light of day again because they're, they're too afraid to take them to school. We don't realize our consequences in the future. We forget a lot of that. It's for the greater good. We need to keep making this world a better place now instead of waiting for our kids and grandkids to fix this mess. It's sad, really. I was listening to the radio the other day about something very interesting, too. Not to change the subject completely, but I think this is a little bit more lighthearted. There are artificial intelligence out there. And a man by the name of Blake Lemont, who works with AIs trying to test them, uh, basically told his boss and co-workers that the AI he was working on didn't want to be tested without permission and that the AI had feelings. Now his boss told him to take some time off and see someone for help. Now, this made headlines on a few newspapers, and it happened in San Francisco. Well, I feel bad because people keep going at him. I was listening to a radio show, and they were talking about it and basically saying it was impossible and technology isn't there yet. Well, my friends, I beg to differ with that. I feel like artificial intelligence is very possible to manipulate human life interactions. Life comes from all ways of life. Now, life always finds a way, as my lovely Jurassic Park quote for the day. That's all for Landon, by the way. <laughs> However, in this case, I feel like this AI is haunted and is trying to tell him a message about his own life. Not the AI's life, per se, just doesn't understand that he's like an engineer and that he needs facts. So since that's the most logical way to put it out there... I feel like he doesn't realize it's a spirit, so he's just assuming it's the AI. Now, one day, though, we are all sitting here thinking about these movies, thinking that they're just movies. I feel like some of these things may happen with robots in the future. The good news is, is that when that does happen, we won't necessarily have to work labor jobs, and everyone will be able to put machines to work, and people will have to not kill their bodies. Yes, working out, of course, and all those wonderful things are great, but not for work purposes. But that's like 20 years away. Well, guys, this is the part where Landon says his line, but until he's back, I will. 
Until next time, guys, stay freaked out.